when you do the VS together, you're really not saying much. You know, the participants are the ones who are saying or talking. You know,、yeah. so you don't have a talking head. Yeah. You know, lecturing to somebody, not at all. You re- it's really about participation. In fact, you know, you really, you know, have to kind of learn to hold back a little bit. You know, so you might say, you know, somebody, you know, people are always going to, we always say stupid things, of course, you know, and maybe wrong things. But, you know, you don't have to say, oh, that's, no, that's not right. You know, I, I know the theology here. You know, you might say, oh, that's, that's an interesting thought. Do you think that's what it's really saying? You know,、mm-hmm. you, can, you can give soft ways to give a little nudge to them. But the, the point is that they're, they're the ones who are reading the word themselves. With a little guidance from you, they're、uh, talking about what it means, you know, and how to apply it in their life. Have you heard of Discovery Bible Studies? This is a really doable and intuitive way to introduce someone to reading God's Word for themselves. Hi, I'm David Dennis with the Kansas Communities Ministry with the Navigators. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is the third of four podcasts featuring my friend Colin, who, along with his wife, served as missionaries to a country in the Middle East for a number of years. Today, he shares a lot of very practical information that you can implement in your own setting and ministry. Colin starts today by explaining exactly what a Discovery Bible Study Method is. The Discovery Method is just a simple Bible study method. It works really well with narratives. What the, the format is that you read a passage, and usually we would choose, especially at first, we would choose、uh, narrative passages. And let, me, let me ask you to define that because there's, there's narrative and then there's more. The other kind would be more what, didactic or. For ex- like an epistle, for example, what would you, you know, non narrative? It's more just teaching truth,、yeah. right? So a narrative no, is a story. Yeah,、right? narrative is a story, right?、Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you know what? I think I like to say narrative better than story because story could be, you know, a fairy tale. But these aren't fairy tales, you know, these are, right, these are actually、right. events, you know, that happen.、Yeah. And so, probably that, <laughs> that's why I use the nerdy word narrative. <laughs> so, you read, well, actually, I'm sorry, let me back up. When, you, when, when we got together, we're, we're really building a church, you know, in the big picture. We want to, as believers, serve each other, support each other. And, and, and build the church. So, when we get together, first we would say, okay, take turns saying, what are you thankful for? And、uh, which is a good thing for any of us to be thankful and count our blessing, you know. So, you know, just what's one or two things you're thankful for? The next thing we would do is say, okay, is there anything that we can, any prayer requests you have, any you know, issue that we can pray about? And so we would share those things and pray together for each other. And then we would move into our Bible passage. So we would read the passage. Most of the time,、uh, the passages were short enough. We would have time enough to read the passage in two different translations. You know, maybe one's a really easy reading, the other one's a little more exact. You know, read it in two translations. And then here's a really important step. We would break into twos and retell that story to each other. It's really interesting because later 
I took a class called Learning How to Learn. One of the things they said is that the psychologists or learning scientists have, have discovered that if you're taking a class, the best thing you can do to retain what you're learning is after class, just sit down and uh, regurgitate everything you can about what you just learned. You know, write down or say everything you can about what you just heard. And that really makes it stick. And in our case, studying the word, it just means that, oh, everybody really has in their mind, you know, what this is about, what it's saying. So it was a great step. People are really shy about it at first. But um, uh, if you model it yourself and, and then really encourage them to take it seriously, it's, it's a really nice step. Well, after that, we had just a few simple questions about the passage. So one question would be, what do you learn about God? We had a little rule, and this is really hard. It's, it's really hard, maybe hardest for those of us who've studied the word a long time. The rule is that, okay, we're studying this passage. And so what, from this passage, what does this passage say about God? So please don't go to another passage or to some book you just read. Those are great. But let's just see what this passage says. Uh, what's it say about God? And, and tell us which verse you're getting that from. And so it's it's really nice because a lot of times, actually, what we do, we're talking from our head, you know, or we're talking from what we think, you know, we know. But, oh, what's this passage really say? And so it's a great exercise. And the other part of that is, too, that sometimes when we come to a passage, the truth is, wow, I don't understand it all. You know, it's kind of puzzling. But if we start listing out what we do understand, sometimes the essence of the passage will come out and it will kind of fall out. And it's really nice. So you, you say, OK, what do you learn about God? And then after that, in the same manner, we'd say, OK, well, what do you learn about people? Somebody say, oh, OK, from verse two, I see that people tend to forget, you know, what God taught them and repeat their same mistake, you know, or something like that. After that, you have a question that is more about application. A lot of times we'd say, okay, so what are you going to do about it? What's, you, what's your application? What's a solid thing that you could do this week because you studied this passage? There's another question along those lines that I like, and that is, who do you know that needs to hear this, you know, this, this story? You know, who can you go and tell the story to and explain what you learned to? And that that's a good, essentially an application question to, to go and share. So that's the basic framework. And then the next week, one thing that we would do, uh, we might come back and say, okay, does anybody have something to share in terms of their application? Something to share in terms of your experience sharing that with someone else? The, the Discovery Bible Study, it's part of an, a bigger framework called this, the Disciple-Making Movement. So if you want to study it, you, you, may, you may run into this DMM, Disciple-Making Movement, and Discovery Bible Study, they call it DBS as well. One little warning, uh, I, I had a friend who he was at a conference and people were talking about uh, DBS, and, and he said some people... We're saying that, okay, they would have an application and they would actually say, okay, make your application until you complete your application. 
you actually do this, what you said, okay, I need to do, you can't come back to the study. <laughs> so they were pretty hardcore. Yeah. He made a good point about that. He said, you know, if we do that, we're just teaching works, oh, you know? Yeah. Right. So right. just a little caveat and warning to say, okay, no, we're, we don't want to teach works, not at all. At the same time, I have, I have had friends who said, oh, yeah, DBS and they're, they're, some people are hardcore, they're, they're teaching works, and then they throw the whole thing out, you know? And so don't throw the, the baby out with the bathwater. There's right, some right. really good stuff here. Do you think that that system, the, the DBS system, would work here in the States? For sure it would. I think so, because um, when you do DBS together, you're really not saying much. You know, the participants are the one who are saying or talking. You don't have a talking head lecturing to somebody, not at all. You re- It's really about participation. In fact, you know, you really, you know, have to kind of learn to hold back a little bit. And, uh, you know, so you might say, you know, somebody, you know, people are always going to, we always say stupid things, of course, you know, and maybe wrong things. But, you know, you don't have to say, oh, that's, no, that's not right. You know, I, I know the theology here. You know, you might say, oh, that's, that's an interesting thought. You think that's what it's really saying? You know, mm-hmm. you can, you can give soft ways to give a little nudge to them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the, the point is that they're the ones who are reading the word themselves with a little guidance from you. They're uh, talking about what it means, you know, and how to apply it in their life. So it's not intimidating to somebody, you know, you say, well, you know, hey, would you like to study the, I mean, read the Bible with me some? Well, it's not super intimidating. It's not as bad as going to church, especially if you're, you're in your own home or you're in a coffee shop. Hey, let's get together for coffee. I just wanted to show you this neat passage from the Bible, you know, or something like that. It's not intimidating. Yeah. And one of the things that we did also was... Uh, we would take turns leading. So you might lead initially for a few times, but then it's a simple enough format. Your your objective is to give everybody a chance to be leader. And then that means that they can go and do it themselves with their friends. So even if they don't don't know much about scripture, they could still be a leader because it's just a it's just a <laughs> discovery situation. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So if it's okay with you, Colin, let's just run through a role play on how this might look. We might look at Luke 15, verses 1 through 7, which is the first of three parables. This is the parable about the lost sheep. So why don't you uh, be the leader here and and uh, guide, me through a, guide me through a session. Okay. Well, of course, first we would read through this together, and then we would tell it back to each other. Yeah, how much detail do you want to go through? Do you want to tell it back to each other? Yeah, yeah let's, yeah, let's, let's, tell let, it back? let's just do 15, 4 through 7 in that case. I okay, think. so nice. Yeah. I, I might, uh, well, what, I guess, why don't you read it and then I'll tell it back to you? Would that be okay? Easier? Sure, you bet. Yeah. yeah. So, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. 
I say to you that likewise, there will be more joy in heaven for one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. So let me try to tell that back. Is Perfect. it okay to, to look at the passage or would... Preferably I, I not. Preferably yeah. not. Okay. All right. Yeah. And it's okay if you're, you know, fumble around or don't get it quite right. That's no yeah. worries. Okay, good. There was a man who had uh, a sheep, a hundred sheep, I guess, and lost one. He went looking for it and uh, finally found it. He brought it back. He was very happy. He rejoiced, telling his neighbors and friends that he had found the one sheep which was lost. The story says that there's a similar situation in heaven over one sinner who repents and comes back to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Very good. Super. So is that is that detailed enough, or, or would you push for more detail? No, I think it's it's good. Yeah. Okay. All right. Great. So what, what would you ask me next then? Or ask the group okay. next? Okay. So in this case, I think I would first start with the question, what do we learn about people? So just from this passage, try to focus mm-hmm. on just this passage. One mm-hmm. thing is that the man who had the hundred sheep and lost one, he was very concerned about it. So concerned about the the loss of an important part of his income probably and property right yeah and we also learned that he uh, rejoiced it was a a fantastic thing to find the lost sheep we learned that he shared that joy with other people when he came back called his friends and neighbors Uh so something to share with other people yeah it's just natural right (laughs) Mm, yeah yeah something you really missed and you found it and yeah and uh, missed that so you share that with other people yeah, yeah. So, yeah, very good. Uh huh. Um, so then, with that, and actually, there's. I think four is really interesting too. He says, "He says, what man of you having a hundred sheep?" So, I think probably they were a lot more shepherds back then. And uh, it's like, okay, you're a shepherd. You have a hundred. You lose one. What do you do? You know. And they're they're probably all like, well, of course, you know, I go look for that one, right? And then. Yeah. And then when I find it, we're going to celebrate. <laughs> yes, right, right. Yeah, I guess good. also, and just looking at that same verse, you just pointed out Luke 15, 4. You know, you could say, well, I've got 100, i got 99 still. So not a big deal that, that I've lost. Yeah, right. But but in this case, yeah, it was a big deal. And it was very important mm-hmm. to, to find that one that was missing. Exactly, yeah. Um, so then that leads us into... The question about God and what do we learn about God here? Do we learn anything about God? Yeah, the first three verses don't really imply that God is involved unless he helped him find the one lost sheep. Could be. But verse 7, Luke 15, 7, brings in the idea of heaven. Mm-hmm. There'll be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. So I guess from this passage alone, we learn that God has great joy mm-hmm. in even one person turning back to him, repenting. And he mm-hmm. compares that to the other 99 people who yeah. need no repentance, which, you know, what does that mean? Is that, that, yeah. Does that really mean there are 99, 99% <laughs> of us don't need to repent? <laughs> yeah, so, um, you know, God really values that one you know, each one, 
that uh, mm. that's lost and then is found, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Really so that's one thing we could say that God cares about the individual. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. God cares about you. Yeah. You know? Yeah, God cares about you. Yeah. yeah wow. Perfect. Cool. Super. So then what would you do next? Let's see. What are you oh, going to do about it? Yeah. Yeah. Time? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, we might say, okay, so this week, what will you do? Is there something you can do to apply this? Or, you know, is there somebody you know that really needs to hear this story? Uh, somebody you'd like to yeah. tell the story to? Yeah, I have a friend who, I might say, I have a friend who doesn't feel very valuable, doesn't feel loved, mm-hmm. doesn't feel like they're very, you know, I have much importance in life. And boy, it'd be sure good to to share that with that person to, to say, hey, I care about you and God cares about you. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Yeah. So you see, it's really simple. <laughs> but uh, but at the same time, it's the word of God. So it's powerful. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. just a short little passage can be just a, a good time. So you would encourage then the people in this group to go, if appropriate, then to actually tell that story, specific story again to someone else? Yeah. You know, the thing is, everybody likes a story. So it's easy to say, hey, you know, I heard a story this last week. Can I tell it to you? How would you respond? <laughs> like, sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I got to know, you know. Uh, of course, it could lead to other you know, spiritual conversation, just telling this little story. So uh, oh, yeah. that's got great potential. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. And then uh, they come back next week and they'd share either how just the truth of that story impacted them, that God cares for the individual, or they'd share kind of the experience of telling it with someone else, I guess. Is that yeah, right? I think, you know, uh, here I would tell people, hey, there's no pressure. You don't have to feel like you've got to tell something. But if you something, uh, you know, you were able to apply that in a really neat way, or if you were able to tell somebody about it and, and you want to share that, feel free. Yeah. That'd be a great time to do it when you come back together. You know, one thing, one, there's a concept and it's taught in, DMM. That's a really nice concept. And the concept is to take advantage of your own network of friends and family. And so when we talk about telling a story to somebody, then ultimately that could lead to another DBS group because that he might tell that story and the person says, well, that's pretty cool. And then the guy might say, hey, I've learned how to read, you know, study these little stories and that. Would you like to do that? One of the nice concepts, in my opinion, in terms of the DMM is if somebody says, sure, I'd be interested, then don't just sit with your friend. Use this opportunity now and say, hey, I don't know. Do you live with your family? Maybe we just sit with your family. Uh, Or do you have any friends that might be interested too? Let's just, you know, all get together. And this is important for a lot of reasons, but for one, in the Middle East, for example, people are more communal and we're, we're highly individual. So we think of that, the individual, but it's more natural for people there to invite other people along or to do things together. So it's really natural for them. And then just think if you were, you know, you have a Muslim friend, he wants to 
read the word with you. Well, what if his whole family read with you? Then they all get a flavor for it. And and uh, that way, if the one individual actually decides to follow Christ, they have some idea. Maybe they won't be quite so hard on him. Or maybe they'll also decide, maybe they'll all decide to follow Christ together as a family. Yeah. You know, that's uh, totally possible. So the encouragement is to uh, take advantage of the natural networks that we have, family or friends. What natural networks among your friends can you tap into? Perhaps you've developed a relationship with your neighbors, co-workers, or classmates at school. Can you see yourself getting together with them and their family and doing a simple Discovery Bible study? You can find out more about Discovery Bible Studies at the website dbsguide.org. That's dbsguide.org. This site has a ton of very helpful ideas and even some suggested passages to use. We'd also recommend the website novo.org. That's N-O-V-O.org, which also has a lot of information about Discovery Bible Studies. Well, I know you won't want to miss our next and final podcast with Colin as we learn about some resources regarding Discovery Bible Studies, as well as some very practical suggestions about reaching out to others, right here on Making Disciples Naturally. The views expressed on this podcast are those of the speakers and are not necessarily the views of the Navigators, nor of the Kansas Communities Ministry. Thank you for listening.